0: Welcome to the Church 214 Podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Well, this is awesome because Kip literally did my whole intro, so I don't have to do it. But I did feel impressed that we should all pray for Haiti um, because we're in this unseen battle. This battle of, you know, demonic forces that come against us. And when you look at what's going on in Haiti, you guys, this is a place that is desolate. Not only in the land, but in the hearts of the people. They are desolate. They need the Holy Spirit. They need the Lord to come. So would you guys stand and let's pray for Haiti? Jesus, thank you that you have put haiti on our hearts that you sent a team of people lord to bring your light even if it was to just a small area god but we are crying out right now for that country we are crying out lord that you would send your spirit that people would become aware of who you are aware of your presence and that your name would be known in haiti god And, Lord, we ask that by the power of your Spirit, every stronghold, every demonic force that is in that country trying to steal and kill and destroy, that you would tear it down by your power, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thanks, guys. Turn to Luke 1, 78 through 79. Because of God's tender mercy... The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. Such a great verse. And that was, um, was Zechariah. He was the father of John the Baptist, and he was prophesying about the birth of Jesus. Jesus had not been born yet, Right? The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. And I can hear just this excitement and this anticipation in Zechariah's voice, right? The light from heaven is coming. It's going to break through the darkness. It's going to take the fear out of death. It's going to show me how to have peace. And I was thinking, man, do we, do we ever get that excited about who Jesus is and what he's doing? Because we actually get to say, that the morning light from heaven is here. He's here right now, his light is here right now. But the question is, are we walking in that light? Because the truth is, guys, we live in a really dark world and I think even as Christians, that's what our minds tend to go to. That's what our thoughts tend to turn to is the darkness, not the light. And do you think that the enemy of your souls might have a little something to do with that? Yeah, he's got everything to do with that. Because he wants to destroy any hope you have, any faith you have, any peace you have. And he uses the things of the world to do that. I mean, we can't deny all the dark things that are happening around us, right? Even in the church, we are not immune to this stuff, you guys. We've got divorce. It's rampant in the church. We have sickness and disease, death, suicide, Loneliness, stressful job situations that are going on. Horrible, tragic things that happen. And there's no doubt that the enemy himself is actually behind a lot of those things, if not all of those things. And it's really, really difficult to keep our minds focused on the light of Jesus. In John 10.10 It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I would say most of the time that it's pretty obvious when he's doing those things in our lives or in the lives of others. But isn't it funny that we're really good at seeing it happen in the lives of others. We can usually see when the enemy is trying to steal and kill and destroy, but we don't see it in our own lives. Because the lies sometimes are more powerful than the truth. And honestly, when you think about that verse, I think it can cause fear in some of us, right? Gosh, we have an enemy, and he's out to attack me. He's out, like Heather said last week, he's out to get us. Because he hates God, so he hates us. But here's, here's the important part, you guys. That verse doesn't end there. Jesus goes on to say, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And see, what Jesus came to do trumps what the enemy came to do. So Jesus came to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And he came to give us life to the full. So he came to give us light and life. And I would say that his light is what brings us life. That's why the devil hangs out in the darkness. He doesn't want to be exposed. He's staying in the unseen. And see, that's where he wants you to go with him. And sometimes we do. But when we start shining the light of God's truth into our lives, he will be exposed. You will be able to see him and see his lies for what they are, and then you can start tearing those things down in your life. But how do we do this? How do we start shining the light into our lives? Well, Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. You guys, there is no way around it, okay? If you are a Christian and you want to walk in victory, you have got to be spending time in the word of God and learning it and studying it and praying it out loud, speaking it out loud over yourself, over your family, over your neighborhoods. I'm not saying go knock on their door and start screaming scripture at them, but from your home, speak out what you're praying for. Pray for your city, your nation, But then the hardest part, usually about reading God's word and studying it, is the application to your own life. Being able to apply it to your own life. Because the truth is, many of us are walking through life constantly stumbling over the same fears, the same issues, the same lies, the same behaviors our whole entire life. Because we are not shining the light of God's truth into our lives. And there's one area I want to focus on today that I think most of us are not turning that light on, and it's the area of our thoughts. Because our thoughts are part of the unseen world, right? They're not tangible. We can see the results of our thoughts, but a thought in and of itself you cannot see. And our thoughts have an enormous impact on our lives. I want to read a quote by Dr. Carolyn Leaf She is a cognitive neuroscientist. I didn't know what that was, so I was Googling it. I still don't know what it is. (laughs) But from what I could gather, it's someone who studies how our thoughts can actually change the structure of our brain and how our thoughts can actually affect our physical bodies. But she says in one of her books, she says, When we choose to allow a thought to grow inside our brains, feeding it with attention and time, it will affect the cells in our brain and body, impacting our future thoughts, words, and actions. It is therefore incredibly important to monitor what we allow in our heads, taking every thought prisoner and making sure the things we think about are good and wholesome, not toxic and harmful. We are what we think, so think wisely. So she's not just a super smart scientist lady. She's a Christian, and she's seeing how science is lining up with the word of God. For instance, Philippians 4.8 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Scripture's already telling us what we need to be fixing our thoughts on. And then our verse for today. This is the one I want you guys to write down or take a shot of it on the screen. It's 2 Corinthians ten five. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It's a powerful, powerful verse if you apply it. And you guys, the enemy started with an argument and a pretension in the garden. And we know what an argument is, right? The arguments that come against Christians are usually the ones that they're trying to um, destroy your faith, have you doubt your faith. Like, for instance, you know, well, if God is good, why is there pain and suffering in the world, right? I've struggled with that. We've all had things like that happen, these things that try to argue your faith away. And then a pretension, a pretension is a claim or an effort to establish a claim. So let's look at this really quick. Let's look at how the enemy used an argument and a pretension to plant thoughts in Eve's mind. Genesis 3, 1 through 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Okay, so here's the first thing. When you start having a conversation with the enemy, when you start entertaining his questions, you're going to get confused because that's his goal. The moment that he said, did God really say, Eve should have stopped him right there and said, yep, God really said it, and he's God, and I trust him, and I believe him. Get out of here, serpent. But she didn't. She entertained the thought. And then what happened? She just starts making crap up at that point, (laughs) right? God told them to not eat from that tree. But Eve decided to add on to God's word, and she said, well, he said we can't touch it either. And God didn't say that. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, so here we have the argument. The argument is you won't die. Even though God said you would, you won't die. And then what was the pretension? What was the claim that the devil was trying to make? It was that if she ate the fruit, she would be like God. And it was a lie. We have to tear down arguments and claims that go against the truth of God's word. And then the second part of that verse. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Okay, what does it mean to take a captive? When, when you're... Talking about war, what does that mean? Well, as Christians, we're in an unseen war, right? We are at war. And it, when you take a captive, it means you've captured the enemy. So sometimes your thoughts are the enemy. And we've gotten so used to just letting our thoughts control us, you guys, we actually need to stop and think about what we're thinking. Because you can choose what to think about, it's a choice. Now, the enemy would never want you to believe that you can choose to accept a thought or reject a thought. He doesn't want you to know that you can come in agreement to a thought or you can stop it and say, no, I am not going to think that in the name of Jesus, you're going to obey the word of God. Because see, this is where he's working most of the time, in your thoughts, in your mind. You can choose what to think about. Deuteronomy thirty nineteen. It says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So we choose things that bring life, or we choose things that bring death every single day. And do you know that every single one of those choices starts in your mind? It all starts with a thought. So every single thought you have has the power to lead you into dead things that are dark and decaying and rotting, or it has the power to lead you into life and hope and peace. One thought can lead you into sin if you don't capture it. One thought can lead you into anxiety and worry if you don't capture it. Fear starts in your thoughts, and that's where it's formed and it's fed if you don't capture it. And then if you do capture it, what are we supposed to do? Make it obedient to Christ. And Christ is the word made flesh, so you make it obedient to the word. And the word says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. That's how you make the thought obey. Lust. Lust starts with a thought. What can uncaptured thoughts of lust lead you into? An addiction to pornography that will destroy you and the people you love? It can lead you into an affair, being unfaithful to your spouse, sexual perversions, all sorts of sexual sin. But you have a choice to capture that thought and make it obey Christ, who is the word of God, and the word says in 1 Corinthians 10.13 that no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. We forget, you guys, that these temptations that come at us, these thoughts that come at us, have been around a long time. It's nothing new. And it goes on to say that God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will give you a way out. We just don't take it half the time. Do you see why the enemy does not want you to know God's word? He doesn't want you to have that knowledge of God and what God says, because then you will start to be able to tear down arguments and claims and lies. And when you do that, strongholds in your own life are going to come down. Sin will be broken in your life. And then you're going to start getting so good at it, this capturing thought thing, that you're going to start recognizing immediately when, a thought that comes in your mind isn't even your own, that it's outside yourself. And I'm going to show you what I mean in 2 Corinthians 11:3. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Some other versions say your mind will be led astray. So this is really important, you guys. Your thoughts can be led astray by the enemy. From the truth. Now, listen, he cannot read your mind, he cannot read your thoughts, but he can put stuff in there that'll cause a whole heck of a lot of destruction in your life if you don't start thinking about what you're thinking and then take the proper action. And to be honest, I really think that the devil is loving this particular time we're living in. Has there ever been a time in history where there's so many distractions? Has there ever been a time in history where there's so many different voices screaming for our attention every single day in the form of Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, a thousand different shows on cable to watch, a bunch of different news outlets we can read, you know, hundreds of different podcasts, listen to this one, go to this one, you need to listen to this one today, and books, every single day there's a new must-read coming out. And I'm not saying that those things are bad. Those, I know that God uses those things. Oftentimes, those things will fill us up or give us a great revelation. So we need to be you know, reading those things and doing those things sometimes. But what I'm saying is that we saturate our minds with so many different voices every single day that it's hard for us to even decipher what voice is our own, let alone what voice is the truth Because listen, just because you have a lot of information doesn't mean you have a lot of truth. Information does not equal truth. This is our standard for truth. This is what your thoughts need to come in alignment with. And like Heather was talking about last week, she was talking about Elijah up on the mountain. He was up there to hear from God. There was an earthquake. There was strong wind. There was a fire. God was not in any of that loud stuff. He was in the still, small voice. And I am really afraid that we're going to miss it if we don't start quieting the voices that are in our heads. Okay, turn to 1 Peter one thirteen. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Isn't it interesting that he's telling us to pre- prepare our minds for the action we need to take? He's not telling us you need to start conditioning your body, go run a marathon, do your squats, work on your abs because, you know, your body is going to need to take action. No, he says prepare your minds for action. So how do you prepare your mind? You prepare it with the truth. You have to know the truth in order to combat the lies of the enemy because he's a liar and that's all he is. And he is going to tell you you're not good enough. He's going to tell you you're not qualified. He's going to tell you you're a failure. He's going to say, you'll never change. You'll never succeed. He's going to say, just get a divorce. It's going to be easier. It's too hard. He's going to tell you the opposite of every single thing that God tells you. But when you're filling yourself up with the truths of God and the promises of God, you will be prepared to take action and capture those thoughts and make them obey the word of God. We have the power to do this. God says we can do it. We just have to apply it. And I truly believe that if we started to practice this idea of capturing our thoughts, paying attention to what's coming into our minds, we would see a lot less anxiety and depression in the church. We would see a lot less division and divorce and a lot more unity and a lot more victory. Okay, I want to pause here, and I just want to give you some scenarios, because I want you to be able to kind of know what I'm talking about here. What would it look like in your daily life to capture some thoughts? So scenario one, and I want you to notice and think about what would be the first things that come to your mind. So scenario one, you text a friend, and now it's like the next day. It's been over 24 hours. You have not heard back from this friend. What are some of the first things that come to your mind? Like, did I, did I do something to make them mad, you know? And then more time goes on, and you start thinking, well, obviously this friendship doesn't mean much to them. I need to start looking for some friends who appreciate me. Those are all thoughts from the enemy. You know why? Because he wants you to be insecure, number one. And he wants to divide, and he wants to cause strife. Those are the thoughts you need to capture. You need to speak truth and say, no, I am loved My friend is loved. God cares about my friendships. And I'm not going to let the enemy divide. Scenario two, your kid wakes up in the middle of the night with a high fever. What thought comes to your mind? Are you one of these people who you go straight to the negative? Like, it's a brain tumor. (laughs) I know people like this. Right? It's a brain tumor. What's going to happen? Instead of applying the knowledge of God, what He tells you, that He created your child, He loves your child. And He also says in His word, lay hands on the sick. So I'm going to lay hand on my child right now. I'm going to trust the Lord, and I'm going to pray healing. That's what He tells us to do. Scenario three What if your spouse does or says, says something to you that's insensitive or hurtful? What's the first things that come into your mind? Is it, should have never married him, should have never married him. I saw red flags years ago. And then if you're a husband, do you start thinking about maybe a woman you work with or a woman at church and you think, well, she's always respectful to her husband, right? She's always gentle and kind. Why can't my wife be more like her? And then um, just this past weekend, actually, this is a scenario. I was talking to a friend on Friday. And she was sharing with me how a few years ago her mom died. And it's been really difficult because it was sudden and unexpected. And she said that some friends of hers were talking about it because I guess they have a problem with her great faith. She's just a woman of faith. And they said, well... You know, how can you have such faith? Like, God could have done something. If he's so good, why didn't he intervene? And she said he did. He sent his son to the cross so that I can be with my mom again one day. I mean, come on, you guys. That's called capturing your thoughts and making them obey the word of God. That's the battle. That's having victory over the lies of the enemy We have got to prepare our minds for action. And that was the apostle Peter who wrote that, which I think is so significant. Because Peter, out of all the apostles, knew about this mind battle. He knew much of the battles we face would be fought in your mind, in your thoughts. So I'm going to give you two examples Of this in scripture. And there's actually more when it comes to the Apostle Peter, but I didn't have time to put them all in here. So, Matthew 14, starting in verse 27. So, this is when the disciples are out in the boat and there's a storm and Jesus is walking on the water towards them and they're terrified and they think he's a ghost. And it says, But Jesus spoke to them at once, Don't be afraid, he said, take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. So Peter starts out super confident, you guys. He's like, all right, Jesus, if it's you, you tell me to come, and I'm going to come walking on the water to you. And Jesus is like, heck yeah, Peter, come on, let's do this thing. And he did. Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water. And then it says that he looked around, he saw the winds and the waves. But I think there was also something else, something from the darkness, a thought that said, this storm is bigger than your God. And I think Peter must have entertained that thought because he became terrified and fearful, and he started to sink. I really don't think that it was the wind and the waves that caused the fear. I think it was the thought that was put in his mind. Okay, next example, Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, "'Who do people say that the Son of Man is?' Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now jump down just three verses in verse 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. So again, isn't this interesting? Peter has this moment of great revelation of who Jesus truly is. Jesus says, you are blessed. You heard directly from my father. You didn't learn that from any human being. And I would imagine Peter was like, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I heard directly from the father. And then a paragraph later, Jesus is looking right at him and saying, get behind me, Satan. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, I guess I could relate. (laughs) I mean, you guys, I have days where I am walking the walk, and I am feeling confident in my faith, and I feel like the Holy Spirit and I are best friends. And then the next day, I am screaming at my kids and overwhelmed with everything. And odds are, it's because I allowed a thought into my mind and didn't capture it. So the enemy was able to get through an open door, And start wreaking havoc in my life. And I think it's the same thing with Peter. I think he struggled with fear, honestly. It was an issue in his life. And it left an open door for the enemy to use him several times. See, I think that Peter stopped listening after Jesus said, I'm going to be killed. Peter stopped listening because all of a sudden, boom, fear. And then a flood of thoughts from the enemy That did he just say he's gonna die? He can't die. He can't leave me. That can't be the truth. I gotta stop this. And see, if Peter wouldn't have freaked out, if he would have just kept listening to Jesus, he would have heard Jesus say, But on the third day, I will be raised from the dead. I don't think Peter heard that part because he was already going to the negative. His mind was already focused on darkness. So it gave the enemy an opportunity. And because Peter allowed fear to step in, the enemy was able to use Peter to, try to cast doubt into Jesus' mind. Because, guys, there's always a bigger picture. If our minds aren't prepared for action, we will eventually start to accept thoughts that are from the enemy. And more than likely, those thoughts will turn into words or actions that are, will be used to lead someone else astray or to hurt someone else if their minds aren't prepared, right? And it becomes a vicious cycle because most of us don't have our minds prepared for the battle. So the enemy planted a thought into Peter's mind. Peter accepted it as his own, right? Even though this thought had set itself up against the knowledge of God, Jesus had just said, I'm going to die. And Peter's like, no, you're not. That's setting itself up against the knowledge of God. And because he didn't capture that thought, the thought came out of his mouth in the form of words, words that were from the devil and that were meant to discourage and plant doubt in the mind of Jesus about who Jesus was and what his purpose was. But Jesus' mind was prepared for action. Jesus was able to capture the lie that tried to come against him, and he immediately identified where it was coming from And what its purpose was. Get behind me, Satan. I know who you are, and you're trying to trap me. Let's not forget that part, you guys. Sometimes we have got to speak to the lie and rebuke the enemy out loud, that's part of battling the unseen. And this is the stuff that Satan does not want you to start doing because when Jesus is in you, it's by his power that you are speaking and the lie and the thought and the devil have got to go. We've got to stop being so quiet. The devil cannot hear your thoughts, but he he can hear your voice. And I know there's probably like one or two of you that are overthinkers and you're thinking, well, what about people that are mute and can't speak? What then, Rochelle? <laughs> I mean, I know there's some of you in there. Well, the fact is we're supposed to use what we're given. So if you've been given a voice, you, you need to speak out. And I know that this might, this might seem overwhelming, right? It might seem impossible that you could actually get control over your thoughts and change the way you think. And ultimately change your entire life. Maybe your thoughts have gotten really, really out of hand. But that's okay because our God is a God of the impossible. And if he said you can do it, then you can do it. And I want to encourage you with something. This is, this is encouragement. You will fail sometimes. And it's okay. Okay. Because God knew we would not get it right all the time. He knew that we would need his help. The key is to not give up. You might have to capture that same thought a thousand times before you have complete victory over it. But keep doing it. Like Peter, you might be walking on water one minute and sinking the next. But let's finish that scripture So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. See, when you fail, when a thought has caused you to sink, don't waste time feeling guilty. Don't waste time trying to fix it on your own. Cry out to Jesus, save me, God, help me, God. I cannot do this on my own. And guess what? Well, then it says Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Because when you cry out to Jesus, he does not pause to think about whether he's going to show up or not. You cry out for his help, and he is immediately there. And yeah, he might have to bring a few things to your mind every now and then, like he did with Peter, because he said, Peter, why are you doubting me? Why, Why is your faith so small? And I want to hear from Jesus in that way because I want to grow. But this is the best part, you guys. This is what I want you to remember. The next verse says, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. When they climbed back into the boat. So how many times have you heard this Bible story and you're left with maybe a picture of Peter sinking? And I think we have some pictures Or you're left with like the picture of Jesus reaching in the water, which those are beautiful. I love those. Right? He's our Savior, He's rescuing us. But listen, it says, when they climbed back into the boat, in order to climb back into the boat, Peter had to be standing. What was he standing on? He was standing on the water. Because when Jesus reached out to grab him, he didn't just keep his head above the water and drag him back to the boat, and he was like, there you go, you failure. (laughs) No. He pulled him back up to where he started from. He pulled him back up to where he was already called to. And they walked back to the boat together on the water. One of the biggest lies or thoughts that the enemy will try to put in your head is that if you fail, it means you've lost. But that's only true if you give up. That's only true if you're sinking and you never cry out to Jesus. Jesus knew the battle that you would face with the unseen world, and he knew that most of it would be right going on right up here in your mind. So let's start using the tools he's given us. Let's start applying his word Let's prepare our minds for action and start to take our thoughts captive and make them obey what God has already said. It's called a battle, you guys, because we are meant to fight. And when you fail, not if you fail, but when you do, and you start having condemning thoughts that say you're guilty, you will never change, you will never succeed, you'll never be where you want to be. Those are fighting words. Put on your armor, because in Romans 8, 1 through 2, it says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So see, you're free to keep going. You're free to keep fighting. You're free to keep capturing those thoughts. And in fact, you must If you want to have victory in your life, will you guys pray with me? Will you guys stand as we pray? Lord, I just want to thank you for your word and its power. And I want to thank you that you have given us every single thing, every single tool that we need to battle. The demonic powers that are trying to come against us, Lord, the demonic powers that are trying to throw us off track. Lord, I pray that, as we leave here today, that every single one of us would start to apply your truth and apply your word into our lives. And that when we start to see victory, when we start to see the changes that you have already ordained to happen in our lives, that we would give you the glory.